I am going back. <laughs> Another edition of the IGN Movies Podcast. Keeping it real. It's Jim Vavida. Stax, I'm... I'm rocking the mic today. Rocking the mic. There we go. <laughs> and then joined by Eric Morrow. Hey, guys. Chris Carl. Howdy do. And that's it. That's I like the, and Chris's Thundercat shirt. I'm wearing a Japanese Thundercat shirt just to give you guys a visual reference. It's pretty sweet. Nice. His, the um, lion nose hair looks like our very own uh, Joey Esposito. But if it was <laughs> hey, that's kind yeah. of... Yeah. I also like the uh, laugh intro. Jim, yeah. I like that, laughing it's, it's into like, the... It's uh, like on those morning talk shows when they come back from commercial and they're yeah. like drinking their coffee like they all li- love each other. I have friends that work on some of these like good morning... Al- these people go, no. <laughs> like, like we love each other. Exactly. exactly. Well, we do bring in uh, donuts and candies and stuff like that, so we're, we're, we're well-fed. Group. Nobody's going to miss any meals in this place. <laughs> so uh, let's dive right into it. We've got a, a bunch of stuff to talk about. Let's just quickly go over last week's pretty anemic box office. Uh, as expected, as we, uh, we foretold here in our visions, Roommate opened at number one. We even kind of pegged um, the pretty lukewarm range. Uh, it opened at $15 million. Sanctum, second place, about nine point four. And then, uh, you know, the rest of the top five were some holdovers like No Strings Attached, King's Speech, Green Hornet. The right dropped down out of the top five, which I don't think surprised us either. So, uh, overall, uh, as, as pissy a box office weekend as we expected, Super Bowl weekend, I mean. Yeah, I mean, n- no big surprises. And, and I, I feel like everybody's just saving all their money for the summer when you're going to have plenty, yeah. to, plenty yeah. to spend it on. Yeah. You know, uh, if you don't mind, actually, because we never go into reader uh, emails this early, but um, I've got one that pertains to 2011 Mar- box Mar- office. I can't let control of the mic go. He's <laughs> well, like, no, I'm just... still in charge of it. No, I've got the, I've got the reader emails. He I thought does. I'd jump in. He does. Um, okay. So this guy's just asking, because he brought up the summer movies, too. So this right. is uh, Ben um, Muratovic. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, he says, hey, keeping it real cast, I'm weekly listener to your podcast. I have, one, I have a question about what you guys think how well the 2011 box office will be. With so many blockbusters coming out this summer, uh, like Thor, Green Lantern, Cap, Harry Potter 8, Transformers 3, do you think that the summer season will be oversaturated with movies so that attendance will be as low as 2010? Even if it has a reverse effect of boosting attendance, do you think each block, uh, each block a big release... Each blockbuster. Sorry, blockbuster individually... Uh, will do good because of people picking and choosing what movies they're going to see, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be the highest grossing year full of disappointments, commercial disappointments, because they're precisely for the reason he pointed out, which is, you know, and as we've talked about before, the um, just the Normandy Beach effect of all these movies storming at once. And uh, I think that's a, an analogy that I think Favreau made. But um, yeah, I think you're going to see. More people going to the movies. Uh, movies making a lot of money, but more of them probably being called disappointments simply because there's no elbow room and there's no margin for failure. You you have to come out of the gate with at least what do you guys think, like 85 million for if you're yeah. a mid-level one, at least 100 million if you're a major one. Yeah. And well, you know, yeah, especially in this season because you're basically given a week and that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, those movies will still be around in theaters, but. Uh, you're going to have to make the majority of your money on that week. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if we're going to see more so than ever kind of like a carryover effect where it's like 
So in this week of uh, you know Transformers three, well that box that's all sold out. So okay, well we'll go see Thor because Transformers three is sold out. But you know. Well, I also wonder too about like word of mouth, like something like Cowboys and Aliens, which I'm really rooting for, which I think is going to be really good. I've seen footage of it, um, a sizable amount of footage of it, and it's really cool. But I think it's that movie has probably the biggest target painted on it in terms of. You know, it, will it will it click? Won't it? Um, it's got Harrison Ford though. That's a big. You know, yeah, he's got big, that morning glory power. It's a big. <laughs> it, it's a big draw though for Harrison Ford in that kind of movie. And I, I think, think people too are are really they're interested in in something different. I mean, if you look at the oh Pirates of the Caribbean four, right? right. Um, you know, everything else has got a numeral at the end of it. This one, like super well, Super Eight has a numeral, but it's original. Yeah. And um, Cap and Thor are. But they're definitely drawing from that Marvel well of like, well, if you loved Iron Man, you'll love these two. Right. And uh, we'll see. I mean, I think Thor and Cowboys and Aliens are probably the the biggest question marks domestically. Do you guys think, I'm just curious, do you guys think Thor will end up being a bigger hit overseas than it will be domestically? And likewise, will Cap be a bigger hit domestically than it could possibly be overseas? I think both movies are actually going to do well everywhere. Yeah, I don't know, though. I, I kind of see where Jim's going with uh, Thor because, like, uh, you know, it, the, the Norse mythology of uh, Thor and, and Odin, and yeah. it's not as big in America as, as potentially it is, say, in Europe. Yeah, um, like Europe, Russia. Yeah. You know. So I could see maybe it just having more of an impact with the um, with audiences there. Uh, and, and conversely, Captain America, just because... I mean, it's yeah. America, right? Captain America. But the thing that that movie has going for it, I think, is that it's a, I mean, it's a World War II movie. I mean, Saving Private Ryan. I I know they're not the same movie, so I shouldn't compare them. But you know, they, that did well overseas. So I guess that's well, a different. That was a different era politically and everything else. Yeah. But I think that there's enough of a. This isn't reality stamp all over Cap. We can talk about the the Super Bowl spot here in a second because it's actually a perfect transition. But, you know, there's, there's enough of a stamp of, like, almost like a Spielberg escapist-type film that I don't... I, hopefully there won't be that many political, yeah. you know, repercussions over just the name alone. Yeah, I think it's fine. I, I, don't, I honestly don't think... I mean, they've changed the name because they were nervous about it, but I don't really think it's going to be that big of a deal. Um, I don't think... I think the, the, a lot of the highest-grossing areas are not necessarily anti-American anywhere, and they're definitely not anti-American pop culture, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it fits more in that. The one thing that, I'm, uh, that I think is kind of cool about all the... You know, we have a bunch of superhero movies come out in one summer, but the cool thing is they really have their own identities. There's not two movies that look the same. You know, Thor is kind of set in this world of the gods and Captain America set in World War II and, you know, X-Men is set back in, you know, the, the 60s. 60s and, yeah. Cowboys and, and Aliens. Cowboys and Aliens is in the West and, and then you got Green, uh, Lantern. Green Lantern in space. Mm-hmm. So it's like, at least, at the very least, we're not getting, like, people in tights, you know, battling on yeah. Earth kind of thing. It's really far flung and I think that, at least that is going to make the diversity a little interesting and hopefully like lead to better box office for everybody. It will hold me over until I get my Secret Wars movie, bitches. <laughs> God, I can't even imagine what a Secret Wars movie would look like. But I want to see a Secret Wars 2 movie with the Beyonder. 
the Elvis Beyonder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and his uh, Hasselhoff fro. Exactly. Oh, yeah. man. So good. Yeah. I think they, I'd love to see that as almost like a mini series. Like, do it like a yeah. computer animated mini series. Yeah. Pixar, baby, does yeah. the Secret Wars. But um, cool. let, let's die. Oh, Cars 2. That's another yeah. one. Uh, I'm sure that'll end up doing really well. I'm just curious. What do you guys think will have the. We, we mentioned Cowboys and Aliens. What other movies do you think have the potential to be the biggest flops, like Green Lantern? Green Lantern. Yeah, because I they're do. not even really selling that. We were kind of discussing, and we can segue into the Super Bowl spots with this, but you know, there was no Green Lantern yep. presence at the Super Bowl. Uh, X-Men First Class, you know, they debuted online yesterday, but again, they kind of... Maybe it was wise not to put it in the Super Bowl because they knew, like, okay, Transformers and Super 8 and everything else, they'd get more press a few days out, but... I don't know. What do you guys think of uh, what other movies? Do you think X-Men First Class has the potential to be a disappointment? I think that's going to do well. Yeah, I do too. I actually think the lesser-known Marvel movies... I think Thor maybe has a challenge, but I actually think it's going to pull through and do well. Cause and of, it's also opening Because of the timing, too. yeah. yeah. And, and I think, you know, like I haven't actually looked at like how everything stacks up week to week, but... Um, you said stacks. Stacks, <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, another one uh, with a number at the back of it that I think is going to clean up Harry Potter 8. Yeah. Yeah. Last one, man. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the, the big monster. That probably, that, maybe Cars 2, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Transformers 3. Yeah. Transformers 3 is like a no-brainer. I, even with the sort of atrophy of fanboys, I feel like, or apathy. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, apathy and atrophy. And atrophy of fanboys. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think either, I think, it's still going to do monster numbers because, well, I think what we forget in our like fanboy world is that that mo- those movies are still really about getting kids in the theater, you know, and, and they're like huge successes. I mean, they're, yeah. they're critically no, but those movies made shitloads of money, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, all and, over the world. And even the fanboys, I think, uh, you know, we are a forgiving bunch as fanboys, you know, like like. You know, uh, look, I'm psyched. I'm excited to see Transformers three. From what I've seen, it looks pretty cool, and I want to see. I want to see Michael Bay redeem himself. You know, I go, I go and see every Michael Bay movie, and I'm the. Uh, I'll bitch about them all. You know, with yeah. the rest of us, but I'm there. I see every one of them. So I mean, you know. he definitely makes he he is a reason to go to the movies because you know you're going to get bang for you. Literally, get bang for your yeah, buck. And, exactly. And, and you know, it's not going to be. Maybe the narrative won't be great, but. You'll definitely have some eye candy and stuff like that to talk about when you walk out of a movie. You're not going to completely feel like, well, maybe except for Transformers <laughs> 2, like you totally wasted your time. But I just feel like the, um, the, the Super Bowl spot for Transformers 3 really, I think, helped start turning people around. The, the initial teaser trailer, I think, whet their, whet their appetites, but it really gave you a, a taste of some of the stuff that they showed us in the Edit Bay visit of just how hell's bells that that yeah um and sort of streamlined it's going to be i don't think there are going to be as many characters this time and a lot grimmer and more action-packed so it needs to be because honestly like and and i actually think that's a problem with bay's movies in general like when he lets himself go with bad boys 2 had like three endings and just way too much stuff going on like when he lets himself go and, and doesn't like stick to a really clean action narrative i think that's when he loses focus and and you know, like like all the comedy stuff was so horrible in in Transformers Two, yeah. could have all been taken out. And you know, if that if that movie had just been action set pieces, kind of loosely pasted together, it would have been better than what was on the screen. Yeah, right? and also I think they needed to shave down the the Egyptian part of the movie a mm-hmm. little bit. It just went on a little too long. But um, 
Uh, let's talk about some more of those Super Bowl spots. Okay, the big one, obviously, outside of Transformers 3, Captain America, our first real look at the Sentinel of Liberty, the first Avenger. Yeah. What do you guys think? Adam Starr also writes in asking the same question. I'll, just to throw out some, some names, some reader names. He sounds like a Marvel character. Does Adam, Star, Adam or, Starr. Or like a 1980s <laughs> science fiction, short-lived 80s sci-fi TV show guy. He specifically wants to know, um, you know, he, he watched our Rewind Theater uh, for the cap spot, um, was just wondering what what we here thought of the Red Skull's mask. Hell yes, uh, Ooh, I thought it was cool. amazing, like yeah. really, really, really well done, and and uh, like kind of allayed any fears I had of what that might look like. Yeah. Um, and and you know, like it seems like like uh, just kind of like a, a damaged face, but it looks like Red Skull in the comics. <clears throat> yeah, he's concerned. He says, you know, the mask. Uh, it doesn't look like it's CGI, but some sort of plaster cast that looks good in photos, um, but not when it moves. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I feel his expressions won't be expressed as well uh, as it should be uh, because Hugo Weaving is an actor known for his facial expressions. Oh, I think Hugo Weaving is known more for his voice than his facial expressions, and I think that was... One of the key parts of casting somebody for Red Skull was how would they use, you know, you need your voice more than even yeah. your face. I mean, really, ultimately, you'll only have your eyes behind that. You yeah. know? But I think um, on two, two fronts, that split-second shot of the Red Skull is you can't gauge that he won't be able to express himself in it. That is, you really have no indication of how... Uh, expressive or emotive, he'll be able to be, you know, th- acting through the makeup. Also, um, I think overall the trailer was fine. It looks like it, it's it's got a, a healthy enough quotient of cheese in there, mm-hmm. uh, but it's you know it's kitschy and it's it's cool and I think um, it's pretty much as close to that kind of golden age Captain America as you could possibly get without it looking completely gaudy or just kind of cheap, too. I, I think Red Skull looked cool. Um, I loved the little hints at the the uh, Howling Commandos. I think th- they could potentially be kind of silly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Dum Dum Dugan with his bowler hat and his big <laughs> stash. And, Although I really <laughs> dug the fact that they were in there, yeah. and you got like a couple of really clear shots of them, too, along yeah. with Bucky, too. It was yeah. like, oh, man, that's awesome. And And another thing that I really, really dug was... How, I just couldn't wrap my head around how uh, Chris Evans was going to look as scrawny Steve Rogers. As that was to, amazing. Yeah, man. That wow, was a great they job. Did a great job on that. And it he really was even did. shorter too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I, you know everything I saw from the trailer, with maybe the exception of like some of the Hydra stuff in the background, looked really cool. Um, and and you know I'm reserving judgment on Hydra because you. Know, Obviously, they they're going a certain way. They're not going like full Nazi in this movie. Yeah. So, it's fine because Hydra's at least something that was you know in the comics right. you know, talked about. I think they will do some service to the Nazi. The last thing I want to say is um, Red Skull. We don't even know how long that mask is that that Red Skull part is going to be in the film. Yeah. You know, y- you can see from the trailer that he's um, Hugo Weaving's real face mm-hmm. at least for part of it. And we were thinking since, you know, kind of timeline of the, the outfit and so forth, um, that he probably fights him once early as Hugo Weaving and then he rips the mask off maybe later in the film. Yeah. Um, so we might not even get too much close-up stuff with Red Skull. You know, it might just be in the midst of a fight. We see the face a little bit and then 
it's kind of from a distance after that. And um, I, there was somebody uh, online, forgive me, I can't remember who it was. It was another outlet uh, suggested that um, that the Red Skull looked a little bit too much like Jim Carrey in the mask. <laughs> I thought and that a little bit too. I, I, you know, it does, but I guess, you know, if, if you're going to have a cartoon character with a, a colored skull face, I mean, it's going to look like one of them. You know, it's that or it's Frank Langella. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, But I, I think um, the one spot that I don't think either hurt or helped the movie, which means it's kind of a failure, is uh, the Thor spot. Yes. It was mm-hmm. just basically a, a shortened version of the trailer. It didn't show you anything new, and I thought they had a great opportunity to either show more fantastical stuff or sell it to a different audience, play up the Natalie Portman, Chris Hemsworth stuff, something. But it didn't do... It was neither here nor there, and I think it's uh, forgettable. I don't think anybody walked away seeing all those trailers and remembering Thor at all. Yeah, I think from a perspective of you know the general public, they probably haven't seen that trailer much. You know? Yeah, and, maybe. And so I, I felt like what they were trying to do, at least with the marketing, was to uh, you know kind of introduce the character and what this world was about. And I hope that in subsequent trailers we get to see, and really it was only 30 seconds. So yeah, I hope it's in, hard. In subsequent trailers we get to see some more, some more action because I felt like it was really like action starved. That yeah, movie. you yeah. got one shot of some sort of beast. I don't know, it was like a dragon or a, yeah, or that was a, or a giant new, dog or something. Yeah, that yeah. was a little new. I, I hadn't seen that one. I don't think Me that's neither. in the trailer. I can't wait to see just the destroyer. That's his name, right? <laughs> yeah, destroyer. destroyer. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I think the uh, the other big trailer. Uh, I mean, the the you know Cowboys and Aliens spot was cool. We got to see more of the ships and all that. But I still think the original trailer was uh, you know did better, uh, did a better job selling it. it was Super Eight <clears throat> because yeah. let's, you know it's yeah. the top secret movie and that really it's it's a total you know Spielberg homage and um, yeah, right. It's almost. <laughs> It's almost perhaps maybe too much of a Valentine to that, but it looks pretty damn cool, and it's definitely it it had some uh, like nostalgic value to it and some heart and yeah. Were you guys sold? Yeah, you know my um, it, it, it's funny how you just uh, you know when you start for information you the way you fill in gaps right and yeah. and and I for some reason had built up this much more serious, creepy, intense movie. Um, you know, a la, a la Cloverfield kind of vibe to it, you know, because all we had was that teaser that told us nothing, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this commercial hits the spot, and it's much more of like an E.T. flavor kind of, you know, I mean, not, yeah. not, I'm not knocking it. I, it got me interested in it, but it was like, wow, that's not at all what I thought Super 8 was going to be. It's you like know? Paul the earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could use a little E.T. flavor in movies, you know, as long as it's done with like a, uh, with, um, you know, a sure hand and it's not done by somebody who's like going to take it too cheesy or It would too be funny kiddie. to see them do like a, a, a sequel to it now. With, <laughs> to you know, Drew Barrymore and Henry Thomas, they're both still working, you God. know? Yeah. But that is, really was, I mean, that... Uh, just there was no information whatsoever about that movie, and now finally we get our first kind of yeah. uh, glimpse on it. And so it's a, it's a uh, uh, a big like kid cast basically, right? Yeah, I mean, Kyle Chandler is like yeah. the big male lead, I guess. I watched it. And honestly, I remember nothing about it except like sort of like the tone of it. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. it. I don't remember anything. That I really remember happened. wind. Yeah, and and sparks. 
I'm still not sure if the kids befriend the creature or if you know it's the creature's on only a, one. On a tear. Is there be awesome yeah. ones? You know, the know. creature killed all the kids at the end of the movie, and <laughs> <laughs> the creature wins. <laughs> exactly. My favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think we pretty much covered the Super Bowl spots. Um, besides, were there any spots that you guys thought just sucked? Didn't didn't do it for you? Hmm. Not really. I mean, I wasn't like blown away by either of the animated spots, but at the same oh, time, Rango I, and I felt like they weren't really like geared targeted to me either. You yeah, know? that so, was for the kids watching the Super Bowl with their parents. Go, yeah, Dad, Dad, I want to go to that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, and even you know Matt Fowler's. He said his son was ridiculously excited about Rango after having seen that yeah. spot during the Super Bowl. Hmm. You know which one actually um, we didn't mention that did did peek in. Uh, kind of curiosity with me as well was, and it was not during, it was pre-Super Bowl, pre-game uh, spot. Sony did two. They did uh, Battle LA, which I just thought, eh, you know, I've been seeing a bunch of it. I mean, I, I want to see that movie already, so I'm sold. Um, the, the Super Bowl, pre-Super Bowl spot didn't do much for me, but Priest, actually, I kind of liked that spot, and I was like, I haven't been following too much of, of what's going on with that. I mean, I, we did the interviews down at Comic-Con uh, last summer, and, you know, I got I got a gist from there. I did those, actually. But I saw the trailer, and then I saw that spot, and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of getting a little interested in this movie. Yeah. You know? The director is Legion, right? Right. And, but and based on a manga, this is yeah. based on a, a Tokyo Pop manga uh, uh, that came out a few years ago. I mean, it's got Paul Bettany, Carl Urban, Maggie Q, and Cam Gigande. That's yeah. that's uh and that's Cam, what Cam abs. Yeah. That's right. They actually get their own Special billing. Six, sixth billing. <laughs> so yeah, so I thought that was interesting um as well. In you know. the quantum of <laughs> Well let's uh let's dive in and talk about the uh you know, the X Men first class trailer a little more and sure. we we've touched on it a little bit. Yay, nay, what do you guys think? Yay. Chris? Yay? Yay. Yay here too. Yay. I, I I know that uh it was a mixed verdict between IGN North and IGN South. You know, we have two <laughs> offices. We had entertainment down here in L.A. and the games guys up in San Francisco. And they didn't seem to be too nuts about it. But um, it went over pretty unanimously well here in the office. We also had, I, I don't know if it was just a matter of lowered expectations, the movie simply having nowhere to go but up. Or, you know, I think for me, I, I, I really responded to... Um, I'm a sucker for period stuff, I, so I love that. And, uh, you know, I've got to chuck a lot of the JFK stuff, you know, the uh, missiles in Cuba. Cuba, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? and, um, and I thought the costumes actually didn't look that bad in, in yeah. motion at, yeah. at the end of the trailer. And I, I liked um, Fastbender, just even in the trailer, looks badass, you know. And, and McAvoy seems okay as Professor X. And, you know, I think, so I think far, yeah, so what that trailer showed was that the casting is pretty spot on and that, you know, like they, the, I, I like that, I like that what that tra- trailer established was, hey, before they were this, they were these other people. So you're not going into it thinking like, oh, I'm going to get to see Professor X as he appears, yeah. you know, in, 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 in the later X-Men films. So I thought the tone, they did a really good job of setting the tone. The one thing I would say about that trailer is it didn't have that like one amazing wow moment for me, like, oh my God, I have to see that scene. But I had a general sort of like, hey, this is really solid, yeah. you know, in terms of like what I, what, you know, what I was thinking was going to happen and what mm-hmm. did happen are, are, you know, 
a lot different. I yeah. was also impressed that for a movie that basically pulled itself out of its own ass in a matter of weeks, um, <laughs> that the effects looked as finished and as cool as they did. I mean, again, you're totally right about there being... There was no big wow moment. I guess the closest thing was... Um, when the X-Men jet and Magneto is pulling the ship yeah, out of the water. The that, sub, was, yeah. that was pretty cool. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, I, I was impressed that f- for a movie that I think was still filming just as of a few weeks ago, at least according to January Jones, that they had as many finished effects. I mean, this isn't a John Favreau production where yeah, everything exactly. was like so planned out ahead of time and he had it all nailed going into Comic-Con three weeks into filming with a, a sizzle reel that, that was... Finished. Almost pretty much yeah. damn near finished to how it looks in the final movie. Um, we just, uh, I just recorded a rewind theater for it uh, with Joey, our comics editor, Joey Esposito. So um, that'll be going up hopefully today as well. And and just having seen it again, and getting to freeze on stuff and rewind, and there's actually a lot of really cool stuff in it. And I like the setup that they're doing. For a lot of stuff that we've seen already paid off in in um, yeah. the X Men movies that we know, there are a lot, a lot of mutants in this movie, yeah, dude. That's, yeah, that's you know, like they didn't even. I mean, they kind of went through them quickly in the trailer, but yeah. um, or in the in the spot, but uh, there are a lot of them. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that's juggled. But I do like that they're selling it just on Professor X and Magneto, so you, the audience has a, an idea of. Okay, here are the two. Here are the two polar opposites that I have to follow. The rest of the people are are background. I think if they really got into the plot of you know, and then the Hellfire Club, and there's all this, and you saw little bits of that, but I think that's that'd be cool to be something to kind of discover as you're watching the film. I, I liked the general approach of the trailer in terms of setting it up as how two friends became enemies. I think that's really like they crystallized it at least. Yeah. Also, you know. There's no way in hell I thought they would ever be able to make yellow suits work. I know. It's funny because, you know, I mean, they made a point of going with the black leather in the first movies because they couldn't make the blue and yellow work. And they even make a joke. Wolverine makes a joke about it, right, in the first movie. And boom, we see it. And I I thought it was okay. I liked it. I think it's the fact that it almost looks like... like jumpsuits or something. Yeah. Like it looks almost more utilitarian. I think if they were, you know, let's all have costumes. Yeah. yeah. That awkward moment in any superhero story where it's like, let me sew something. And it just doesn't, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, by the way, how did Peter Parker become such a great, you know, seam- I don't yeah. know what you call a man. Seamstress is what you call a, a woman. Se- yeah. A seamster. seamster. A tailor. A seamster just sounds like a hipster kid in Silver Lake or whatever. <laughs> I'm a seamster. By the way, something interesting to note, too, I mean, um, I kind of like the approach they're taking with it, too, where it's interesting. So so Nolan does Batman, right? And he grounds his character in a very, you know, real world. But it's also Batman, right? So the guy doesn't have superpowers. He's a millionaire with suit and gadgets and this and that. But he, he does what he does. He's a gritty character. Makes him fit into the real world. And it's an interesting approach, I think, they're taking with X-Men First Class, too, where it's like... Much harder to do that because, look, this is a team of superpowered mutants that have, like, laser beams and yeah. mag- magnetism and this and that. So what, is, what does Vaughn do? They, they fit it into his real-world historical events, right? So Say, it's set at the time that the characters were created. Exactly. The, the book's first game. And I think it's, it's a nice way to kind of address 
And I think Brian Singer gets, you know, lion's share of credit for that mm -hmm. too, because he helped craft, I believe, that that whole story, uh, at least the the basic plot. Um, is that it? It it show it, it takes basically okay. Here's an already troubled real world that we all know about, and then what happens when, in an already you know shifting balance of power, this whole subsection of society that turns out to be mutants with powers. How does that affect like the world going to hell in a handbasket? You know what what happens if one goes one way and the other one goes the other way? I mean, it it just ups the stakes of like this apocalyptic kind of veil that's mm -hmm. hanging over everything. And I and I also think just for comic book fans, it's it's nice to see basically a throwback to the Stan Lee era come yeah, to life. You know, it'd yeah. be great to you know we've always talked about wanting to see that that kind of you know Cape Canaveral. Uh, Camelot era, um, Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four yeah. or even see, you know, Spider-Man, you know, a la Marty McFly kind of thing, you know. <laughs> but, Which we might be getting in Andrew Garfield, yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can't wait other, to see the spot for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. I, I would imagine that'd probably be out in time for, um, I wonder if they'd even have one for like Battle LA in March. Good teaser. Well, at the very least, I, I think some of the Marvel movies, maybe? you know, for Thor or Cap yeah. or, or X-Men First Class, for yeah. sure. It, it, would, it would seem a shame to not exploit those. Yeah. But, um, speaking of uh, Thor and Cap, well, the Avengers, they cast Colby Smulders from How I Met Your Mother as Maria Hill. She's basically Nick Fury's, um, uh, uh, I guess, not counterpart, but like another S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And she's got a history in the comics that I don't believe would probably come into play in the movie, but um, she beat out a number of actresses. You guys have any particular feelings, thoughts on her casting? Is she there to kind of just bring in the the TV audience, the the humor or something to play off of? I think own? she's just there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. actually think I don't actually think there's much to that. Um, I, I really think she's not going to have a very big role in the film. Yeah, um, but yeah. I, I, I do think she's there to also help even out the testosterone level a little bit, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of male heroes in this movie, aside from uh, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson. So, um, you know, bringing her in as Maria Hill, who who is a formidable S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in her own right in the books. Um, like you were saying, Jim, she, and you know, in the recent uh, history of, of S.H.I.E.L.D., she... Um, you know, right before, like, this, or during the Civil War and, and before the Skrull invasion and all that, Nick Fury goes missing, and she is tasked to take over uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while. And uh, or she was like, well, I should say Tony Stark took S.H.I.E.L.D. over for a while, and she was his right-hand man, and then I think he goes out, and she takes it over Did for a little bit. Did she oust him? Was that part of the it was. They had a very contentious relationship, so it'd be interesting to see... Uh, you know, I don't know. They might have. They might have. Uh, I think they it's did. Like Jersey actually. Shore, but yeah. with superheroes. Um, <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see if uh, they bring that into the mix. But uh, you know, another female agent, Shield agent, is very popular. Um, that's tied to the Cap mythos that'll probably come in a, I would say, a Captain America sequel. Is Sharon Carter? Yeah. yeah, that seems like it would be really remiss of them to not do that. Speaking of a Cap sequel, they actually hired the writers of uh the first movie to come back now they're gonna they're gonna start scripting the sequel so um they're you know they're pretty confident in their films although they haven't i believe announced a thor sequel maybe uh, thor is meant to be a standalone maybe yeah and, and you know? thor i think could be a standalone and and be just fine you know like yeah. hey, let's introduce this character for the avengers and then and then you just see him in future yeah. avenger movies i yeah. mean unless it's a really big success which I, I think it would have to be a pretty big success to 
Yeah, I mean, that was probably their most expensive film. Yeah. Just looking at the sets and everything. Um, uh, I got another reader email from Emmanuel G. Um, It's kind of after the fact. This came out uh, after our last podcast, but before this one. So it was when we reported that they were going to hire a female S.H.I.E.L.D. agent to count, you know, be um, Nick Fury's sidekick. But it was before it was announced who the actress and who the character was going to be. So basically, he was asking us who we thought, you know, that was going to be. Kobe Smulders. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I should start off, though, Dear Keeping It Real. First off, I want to say I love the, fl- the podcast. Flash rules, he says. Yeah, he put uh, about 14 exclamation points after it, too. <laughs> so, you only uh, need one, Emmanuel G. Exactly. So besides that stuff, though, he says, um, he's like, I don't know if you guys know this, but Disney has an animated version of The Avengers, and it's not really a, a kid's show, even though it's on Disney XD. In the show, the cast is Cap, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Black Panther, Hawkeye, Ant-Man, and Wasp. Iron Man's the leader, and S.H.I.E.L.D. is semi-responsible for assembling the group on the show. A lot of things are similar to what happens in the movies. Um, So uh, he was just wondering if... uh, I was wondering your thoughts on this. Do you think a lot of things that are happening in the show will also happen in the movie? He wants to know if we're familiar with the show. I really doubt that. You know, I don't think those two groups are working closely together. Yeah, I don't get the the sense that the... um that the left hand and the right hand are overly dependent on each other there. But I think, uh, if anything, there might be broader themes that they could touch on and stuff. But I, I have a feeling things are going to draw more from, like, the Ultimates right. and from the old, the original, like, Kirby and Stan Lee stuff. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that happens either in other media or that happened in between, unless it's a major storyline, I don't think they're going to get to those. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I would say exactly what you were saying, Jim, that that I think both series, I think the TV show and uh, these current batch of Marvel movies, both of those are pulling from the Ultimates yeah. is what's happening, the the Ultimate comic book universe. So, And they also, I think there's a very you know savvy reason why Marvel is culling from both of those runs is that they want to bring in the original fans, and they want to bring in their kids now. Yeah. Yep. And we both grew up on different, you know, um, I guess different universes, really, of, of Marvel stuff. Well, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And fanboys are from Uranus. Hey! ding Where's the bell? no, where's my bullshit meter button? I should have brought that to the podcast. That was bullshit. Actually... Some big Avenger-type movie news this week. Shane Black being reportedly oh, up right. for writing and directing Iron Man 3. How cool is that? Yeah, that's you guys crazy. Think? Shane Black awesome. uh, wrote uh, Lethal Weapon, if you guys don't know his work. Also um, directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But Which is a great movie. And is Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and Downey has a final say. Well, not final say. He has a big say in who gets to direct Let's just Iron call Man it 3. final say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Shane Black also wrote uh, Last Boy Scout and Long Kiss Goodnight. Right? Yeah. I keep on wanting to call him Shane West every time. Yeah, <laughs> every time I know, me too. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like that idea. And um, he was uh, in Predators, too. Right? I mean, Predator, the first one, right? Wasn't he one of the guys on the chopper? I do not was know. Was he? I yeah, I think uh. I, if you readers out there and listeners chime in on the on the boards or send us a message if uh, if I'm right. I'm almost positive that he's one of the guys in the chopper. Uh, I don't know if he's you the guy Shane that Black. says 
Shane Black yet has said, uh, you know, strap this on your sore ass. I don't know if that's him or if he's <laughs> one of the other guys. He might be the first guy that gets whacked. Well, he's like a crazy 80s, 90s, you know, icon in terms of uh, writing writing some of the quali- like the films that we love the most in the action mm-hmm. genre. So I think he's a good choice. Uh, he's worked with Robert Downey Jr. before, like we said. Um, and I think he has he would probably nail the tone really yeah. well. So, you know, there's no... And have a stronger narrative, not yeah, really be exactly. winging it. No? There's no... Uh, it's 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 kind of like right now fans online are really excited about this and you know yeah. it's, it's, it's no big surprise yeah <laughs> um, so all right let's move on to the next news item is that uh, GI Joe two is happening whether you like it or not <clears throat> they have uh, a bunch of directors like uh, well three directors are apparently the leading contenders to replace Stephen Summers at the helm F Gary Gray who did the Italian job right mm-hmm. and then um, John Chu, who did uh, Step Up and the new Justin Bieber movie. <laughs> which, which is actually getting decent yeah. reviews, yeah. weirdly. Yeah, and then uh, Jama Kule uh, Sarah, I believe. I just interviewed this guy last weekend. He's the director of Unknown. Um, these three guys are all up for G.I. Joe 2. And uh, I don't know, I think if, of those three, the only one I could really see doing it is F. Gary Gray. Yeah. Well, Who also, he, he did, what, Law-Abiding Citizen, or is that Antoine Fuqua? He did. No, he did yeah, Law-Abiding okay. Citizen also. Yeah. So somebody will direct this movie, and I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. By direct, we mean call lunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could see the director from Unknown maybe doing it, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. I think ultimately you're going to get whoever's going to be the the cheapest and hungriest one. Yeah. You know? I, I, I don't see this... This is a pretty perfunctory sequel. Yeah, know? yeah. And I don't, I mean, I wonder, do you think they'll spend as much money as they did on the first one? Or do you think it'll... Mm, no, because yeah. it, I think they realized maybe the movie the most will you know, make is $100 million. And then, I think, although, you know, they could play up the, the Cobra stuff a little more and make it even more fantastical, I just don't want to see those suits back again. I didn't like the whole... Yeah, you know, uh, exoskeleton thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The accelerator suits. Um, another news item: Red Sonja movie is not dead. The producer mm-hmm. says that Simon West, director of The Mechanic and Con Air, uh, is going to direct it, and that they're looking at Amber Heard to play Red Sonja. Oh, although really? it's news to her because they haven't technically approached her yet. He just decided to blurt that out in, a, in an interview. <laughs> Uh, so good luck with that one. Uh, uh, what do you guys think of Amber Heard as Red Sonia? She's never done anything remotely uh, close to something like that. I think she well, can do it. I don't, I, think, I don't hate her. Yeah, I think um, Drive Angry will be the telltale sign because I think she plays it's the kind same of a, producer of that one too. So he's, oh, it is. So okay. he's seen something then that you know because <laughs> she plays like a badass act. She has a lot of action in it, a lot of like actual fight, like physical fist fight scenes and stuff. So yeah. Uh, Let's see how that goes. Yeah, it'd be a lot different than Brigitte Nielsen. Yeah, <laughs> at the very yeah. least, like yeah. Yeah. different body type and everything. She's hot, that's for sure. So, <laughs> I'm talking about Brigitte Nielsen. I'm talking about Amber Heard today. <laughs> She's I thought hot you were today. talking about Simon <laughs> West. Uh, by the way, I can't believe, just as a complete aside, I can't believe that she and Flavor Flav ever romantically joined. I know. Who, uh, Amber Heard. No, Brigitte Nielsen. Nielsen and Flavor Flav. You know who? Uh, we were just talking about this this morning. You know who's Flavor Flav's ex? Bill O'Reilly's now wife. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. <laughs> I mean, the things that he did to that woman and, and now who she's married to and 
the things that he goes on about with rap music and everything. And you, you know how watches. I don't. I don't know that you've ever heard any Public Enemy if you said yeah. that. <laughs> you know how, how cell phones have replaced watches now. Yes. He should just wear like a giant cell phone around his neck <laughs> instead of a I giant clock. I think the clock. clock thing is dead. I don't think he's really been around the clock for a while. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, another big uh, news item: Ryan Gosling playing Logan and Logan's yeah. Run. Uh, I think he's a little too old for. It. I know he's only thirty, but in the novel, isn't it supposed to be like twenty or twenty-five? In the movie, maybe yeah, thirty. But Michael York, when he played yeah. it, looked looked about thirty-five years old or forty. He's all, he, he, I think he came out of the womb looking old, Michael yeah. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, I, I don't know if you guys get this vibe, but I watch movies now, like back from the 60s or whatever, and it's 60s and 70s, and it's like this character, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm 22 years old. Clearly the guy looks like he's 50 years <laughs> old, right? And I don't know if that's Like all just, those old high school movies? Yeah. Like, like Stockard Channing when she was 80 doing Grease? <laughs> yeah. Am I the only one that's seeing this? Or, or, you know, I mean, I think people looked. They were We were much more mature. I mean, look at Mad Men. You know, you had these young yeah. guys. If you watch that series, they're young, but they're much more mature and in the world and than we are now. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I also think, I mean, just uh, people's facial structures were different then because, I, you know, I, for various genetic reasons, I'm sure. And then also a lot of people had been in wars. They had been yeah. in Korea. They had been in World War II. War II yeah. And they had to grow up fast. And I think they wore that on their face. And, I mean, look at the crop of male actors out of the 40s and 50s. I mean, you know, some of these guys looked middle-aged when they were, like, 30 yeah. because they'd already been through a lot, you know? And they also just didn't have the skincare products. This podcast yeah. brought to you by Axe. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> be, Neil, Lee, Lee just, Marvin didn't moisturize, you know? <laughs> Sterling Hayden never put on a mask before he went to bed. I mean, I'm 19, so and yeah. I know I look it, but... Yeah, uh, you're 19, so you're a young-ass man. And your mutant powers are the reason why your hair went gray. Exactly. It's all your psionic. Abilities. Yeah, there's another movie I don't care anything about. Like I, you know, Logan's Run. As much as everybody wants to say it's a classic, it's a boring movie. It's not that good. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And it's like I mean, Tron in that sense, where it's like, yeah, we get a following, but when you go back and you look at it again, you're like, oh, not that good. And yeah. you know what? I think it's going to play similar to the way that they play Tron. You know, it's probably going to be a similar take on it. But you know, another movie. Um, Already did what Logan's Run does, I think, in the island, the Michael Bay movie. And they're doing one now called it well. uh, Now. It was called I'm Mortal, and it's got mm-hmm. uh, Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried and a, a bunch of other people, including one of the guys from Mad Men. Um, and that's going to be coming out, I think, later this year. And it's a similar, similar idea to Logan's Run. Um, you know, about, you know, trying to keep people you know, young and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of played out. Don't need it. Interesting. But I don't care about... I mean, I, I, it's not like... I think Ryan Gosling's a decent choice for that, even though... Yeah, I, I don't yeah it's just a big paycheck roll, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do we have time for another reader email, or how are we doing? Yeah, sure. I'll throw a quick one in real quick. <laughs> um, this is from Adam uh, Copel. Yeah, no. Adam Copel. Uh, he says, Hi, guys. Uh, any word on the, new, on the next Trek movie? It was slated for summer 2012, but there's been no word about it for a while. Other 2012 movies are either filming, Spider-Man, or about to, Superman, Dark Knight. Shouldn't Paramount be pushing for the sequel since the reboot had a decent box office and critical fan acclaim? Is it a scheduling issue with J.J. Abrams or Kurtzman and Orsi? 
Well, I know that the the story. I think the the biggest holdup has been the script. Uh, <clears throat> Orson and Kurtzman have a bunch of things on their plate. One of them is directing a movie right now. I guess they've cracked the story, and this was a couple of months ago. They, or at least a, a month or so ago, that that story came out. And um, you know, so I think a lot of it is just on a on a on a writing level, whether or not you know it's how far advanced that is. Also, Abrams is you know neck deep. Into yeah. Super Eight, he's nobody is technically except for the cast uh, and the writers. You know, nobody's really coming together in this movie. Abrams isn't set to direct it. He said he's not going to make it to make a decision until the script comes in, and whatever that is going to happen. Because again, like one of the guys is off directing a movie with mm-hmm. Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. You know, and, so I mean, and Abrams has a couple of TV series that he's getting off the ground. Ortsman. Uh, Orsi and uh, Kurtzman, right? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm merging their names. Uh, they've got several TV series too, <laughs> this right? Podcast brought to you by the King's Speech. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I'm Bobby Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they got a ton of TV shows too, aside from what they're directing and blah blah blah. So yeah, I mean, it's. Oosh, I definitely think scheduling is probably an issue, right? Yeah, for sure. And and uh, yeah, I mean. We haven't heard anything about this movie. We basically, like, the other movie ended, and there was, like, a couple months of just, like, loose speculation oh, yeah. and stuff like that, and then nothing. It's been nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the movie isn't pushed to, like, Christmas 2012. Yeah, that's what or I was Or 2013, too. even. Yeah, I, I mean, see that happening. I, I think, uh, I just wonder, though, at that point, will they have lost any of the momentum that was built up. But yeah, he's right. I mean, that that the reboot did really well commercially and critically, and um, you know, fans it brought a it brought in a whole new wave of fans mm-hmm. to into Trek, and it's a cool movie, you know. And so I just I think it would be a shame if they waited too too long. Yeah. You know? So uh, let's uh, wrap this up by talking about this weekend. We got a bunch of movies opening up. Um, just go with it, Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Uh, Justin Bieber, never say never. Oh, I'll say never. No, Mio and Juliet, The Eagle, and uh, and a smaller release, Cedar Rabbits, uh, Rabbits, Rapids, <laughs> with uh, Ed Helms and John C. Riley. Um, it's basically it's a Bieber Sandler race this Face weekend. Off, yeah. Who do you, who do you think is going to win? I, well, obviously, I think Justin Bieber is going to kill it. I don't. I, I, I think it's not even. A, I don't think it's a competition at all. And I actually don't think um, Sandler is going to come in second either. I think Nomeo and Juliet's going to come in second. Um, so I think uh, Bieber is probably going to grab. God, I'm going to say 80. I think it's going to be huge. But wow. see, remember, everybody thought that Jonas Brothers movie, which yeah. was also 3D, was going to be a big. Jonas that... Brothers is not nothing close to the level of Justin Bieber right now. I think. Yeah, but I don't think culture. Justin Bieber is to the level of Hannah Montana either. You know, I think he's below her. I, dis- I totally uh, he'd disagree. He'd like to be below her. Yeah. <laughs> he I, I, may have already been below her. Yeah. <laughs> I think Sandler's going to win the weekend. I think Just Go With It's going to come in at number one. Because I, I think Bieber number two. Because think about it. Bieber, no no teenage boy wants to get caught right. dead going to that unless they're going to get to, I don't know, second base, but the girl they're dating. Twilight. You know, yeah, but I think Bieber's audience is younger than that. I yeah. think it's like twelve-year-old girls, not like fourteen, fifteen. Well, here's year old the thing: girls. it's going to be those girls and their mothers, in a lot of cases, taking them. Yeah, and that's two tickets, and you know, and I, it's three D, and, and it's three D. 
I just think. And they want to see every pore on his <laughs> pubescent, acneed face. Okay, I'll come down a little bit off my number. I'll say 70, but I still think it's going to be yeah. huge. I think um, Nomeo and Juliet's going to come in second with about 35, and, uh, and then Adam Sandler, third place. I'm going to go um, Bieber, number one. I'm going to say uh, 65 million. Um, and then I'm going to say just go with it, about 40 million. And then uh, Nomeo and Juliet. Uh, I want to say Nomeo and Juliet, about 28. It, it's a, I, I really liked that movie. I thought it was cute. It was funny. It's not great, but it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. And, and I think it's got franchise potential. Uh, I liked The Eagle a lot. Uh, again, I'm kind of in the minority, I think, on liking both The Eagle and Nomeo and Juliet. But The Eagle, I, I think that one's probably going to get hurt, which is too bad because it's a pretty decent movie, you know. Hmm. But I think that one will probably be like, Sixth, I I'm you guys are coming high in my my opinion. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot way low actually, and I'm gonna say uh, Sandler. Or, well, it's the movie's not Adam Sandler. The movie's <laughs> yeah. just go with it. So um, I'm gonna say just go with it. I'm gonna say 42. And I'm gonna say Bieber, uh, the Justin Bieber movie at call it 30, and I'm gonna say uh, Nomeo and Juliet. At say eighteen. Okay, all right, that sounds about right. Well, uh, tune in next week, and we'll we'll let you know how much uh, crow we're eating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, enjoy yourselves this weekend. We'll catch you all later. Thanks.